0: Podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered.
2: Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world.
4: We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin.
3: And I'm David Gura. Listen to the big take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's
5: go! This is The Lombardi Live with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on vSend. Yeah.
6: Welcome back in. It is our number two of the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM here from vsin the sports betting network. Back alongside Mike Pritchard, who's already fired on this week one opening night game, Bills and Rams. I'm Ben Wilson. Uh, we're in here every single Tuesday for Patrick and Michael, and it's time to get into some player props, uh, Pritch, because as we discuss a, the side and the total for this first game, we've seen now the market start to develop some early movement on a couple of these props and want to get your thoughts on, on, especially how you view these two quarterbacks Mm -hmm. coming out right out of the gates and how we view the running back and wide receiver markets uh, with so many injuries, especially it seems like we have more injuries coming into this week one. I don't know if that's just a me thing and it's just in a vacuum, but it seems like there's a whole lot of, a lot of guys in these teams, even
7: with the shortened preseason that are banged up in general. And that's obviously shaping the player prop markets this time around. Yeah, absolutely. Ben. I mean, it's a physical game. We all know that. And you try to survive to the regular season as a player, uh, I think for the most part, both teams are healthy. There's some bumps and bruises along the way, which is going to happen. But can you manage that? Uh, and the Rams have said they're going to have to manage that with Stafford all year long. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I look for Stafford with injections and help uh, that he'll be ready to go. And he'll be good to go for this week one opponent uh, in Buffalo in a c- couple of days here. Buffalo, I, you know, with Josh Allen, you asked a question about quarterbacks. I just love and I respect his story, his path. I mean, wasn't recruited, right? uh inland kind of guy in california inland empire that kind of guy and you know he worked his way to a situation junior college okay you're sending out a letter uh asking for an offer for division one schools you get one it's wyoming uh and then i don't know you get drafted to buffalo which was perfect for him but yet he he doesn't rest on his orals he doesn't stop there i mean he's motivated right and he seeks out help on how to be more accurate as a passer Uh, He gets uh, Palmer, uh, quarterback guru, if you will, and he continues to get better and work hard in offseason. That's all you hear about this guy. Mm -hmm. That's all you hear. It's like he got the big money, got the big contract, and then still, what did you see at the end of that Kansas City game? The guy was just sitting there uh, like, man, man, how close did we get right there? So he's highly motivated as a player, and he's gotten better each and every year. I think he's still ascending. Uh, That's why I'm so high on Buffalo this year, just because of that key position quarterback. And that's going to help. Because no more Day Bowl. And now you got Josh Allen going in year five, and year five for quarterbacks, this is my offense now. They're not changing the playbook. How can we make it better? What else can we do? We've added personnel a little bit. We think McKenzie uh, and Davis, uh, you know, that's a good combination to help out with Diggs, uh, strengthen our offensive line, and still we're going to run and have the concepts involving six eligibles, including Josh Allen. Josh Allen as a runner is incredible. Uh, if you think about the total offensive production just off last year, 57 total offensive touchdowns. Josh Allen accounted for 42 of them. Rushing and passing. So uh, he's just an exciting player. Uh, and and again, I think a motivated player with, with a lot of upside. So I, I like that to begin the year with Buffalo. And from a player prop standpoint, I mean, uh, that secondary outside of Jalen Ramsey, uh, I, I think for the Rams could be challenged. And it's funny too with Allen, even with the progressions, lean more on the legs a season ago,
6: picked mm-hmm. up about 15 or so yards more per game on the ground. It was at about the 45 or so yards per game mark, which which kind of is then baked into the actual number here on the passing yards prop, which you see 276 two and a half for Allen, averaged about 259 a season ago. Mm-hmm. So you're certainly baking in, as you talk about, Mike, more progression, and you're also baking in him being a, is more as much, if not more, of a focal point of the offense as he was under Brian Dable, where now, even with that transition, they are letting him call the shots a little bit more with that trust now in the offensive system. It's just, right. would you have enough conviction, at least on an over for passing yards, knowing his mobility, knowing how he's able to create and pick up yards on the ground, that's where, to me, it gets tough on the passing yardage prop Mm -hmm. because he can still be really, really efficient. You just laid out all the touchdown numbers and yet still only throw for 250, 260 yards a game, and it really isn't a profitable thing long-term. It it, it definitely has that feel, at least in the market, like you are paying a tax for for a game that is presumed to be very high-scoring, and that's also, you know, you look at the passing attempts, You're at 35 and a half. He averaged about 38 attempts per game a season ago. Mm -hmm. So you're asking for more passing yards on, at least in the market, fewer passing attempts. You just have to keep that in mind as a better, right? Because you're asking for more big plays. And as you say, it's certainly possible. I just don't know how how much I'd be willing to think, all right, Allen could certainly pick up a bunch of yards on the ground in a spot like this, knowing the mobility there, knowing how good that secondary is, at least with Ramsey. Right. But you certainly, you're at least believing long-term it's going to be a huge
7: year. Well, yeah, I mean, last year in particular, with all those numbers you mentioned, so they threw the ball 59% of the time. Uh, and so you're, you're at that 60-40 pass-run ratio uh, as an offense. Uh, not quite there. You know, in comparison and context, Brady was 66%. Think about the amount of attempts and, and passes that Brady threw. Uh, but I think Josh Allen certainly was efficient, uh, very efficient uh, at the times that he did throw it. But with the emergence of, of, of Gabe... Uh, and then certainly you think about Diggs, uh, Isaiah McKenzie. I mean, I, the backfield, too. Duke Johnson didn't even make that team. Uh, it, it's like with six eligibles, the opportunities are going to be there for yards, though. And and I don't see this offense being conservative. Uh, so from a player prop standpoint, yeah, I mean, it's lofty. Uh, and, and then the opponent, too. I, I think when you incorporate six eligibles like Buffalo wants to do, are you going to see more man-to-man coverages, therefore mm-hmm. bigger plays? If you see zone... You have a quarterback that can take advantage of the zone with his eyes. He manipulates safeties, he manipulates linebackers with his eyes, with his uh throw fakes in the pocket. And to me, that's that's the elevation of, of Josh Allen that people aren't talking about.
6: And 37 and a half is the rushing yards, for what it's mm-hmm. worth, just laid out was in that 44 range a season ago. And so you talk about evolution. It's funny, at least on the Stafford side. I said last segment, I don't know, I don't know how you could have any conviction in betting any of these Stafford props when when we don't know and we we are not going to know definitively until we actually see him on the field it is interesting though at least on the passing attempts because that was the big storyline of oh yeah he could be good to throw 55 times a game you see it at 36 and a half which means you would just naturally assume Mike, well that's probably a big tick down from last year because just you're baking in there's been the injury they probably want to you know just alleviate those issues and work him into the game But if you look at the numbers, he averaged only about 35 and a half pass attempts Mm -hmm. per game last year. So you're at 36 and a half. That's the one where I look at in the unders juice to to the plus side at plus 100. If you felt one way or the other, and you certainly have your doubts, that to me is the angle you look at with with a guy like Stafford, where you take out some of the catch and run potential that, Mm -hmm. that his receivers have, which could inflate the passing yards. Because under 36 and a half would still be about average for what he did a season ago. It's more dependent on game state, as we know, in a right. matchup like this with a higher total. But that's the one that sticks out to me on on his side. Not that I would get involved with the Stafford props, but it is an interesting conversation to have when we don't think he'll be, he'll be throwing
7: 50 times, especially week one. Right, we don't know. Uh, one of the things and one of the factors the Rams had in their favor as they got hot last year is they started to run the football. Cam Akers Anch- comes back, but uh, they started to run the football in the playoffs. We saw that, the toughness angle. Uh, Stafford... Uh, to the arm slot, the arm angles that he threw the ball with last year, you wonder if that's going to be compromised this year because of the elbow. Like, remember the sidearm throw to Cooper and and mm-hmm. everything like that. Okay, with injections, maybe he he won't be compromised, right? I mean, you do have to factor that in, I believe. Uh, but the matchups, though, I mean, say Buffalo with those two safeties, Hyde and Poyer, uh, and Cooper Cup as good as he is, but yet they have a sound plan. Uh, with those two safeties, who could cover either one of them, uh, along with now Vaughn Miller going up against uh, Noteboom, I believe, who's going to be tackled, yep. was unproven, the question mark right there. And then you're placing uh, a free agent guard, uh, a young player up front as well. So they, they're they going to be challenged in addition to what Stafford's going to be going through, too. So uh, obviously, I think the Rams are going to want to run the ball more uh, because the matchups suggest to me that it favors Buffalo, even with a rookie corner. Uh, because of who they have in their front, uh, from uh, from a personnel standpoint.
6: That and, well, and that too is the like I was saying earlier. The matchup I really want to see earlier, where how much will the safeties kind mm-hmm. of make up for the inexperience and youth right. on the outsides there uh, for Buffalo at least in game one. And as that ties into the receiving uh, props, that's where really we have the injuries playing a factor. Isaiah McKenzie is a firm questionable coming in. They have they have at least leaned towards him being able yeah. to give it a go, but he's not included yet in any of the props you're seeing. Same goes for Van Jefferson, who is much more of a firm, questionable, his status very much up in the air. As you look at this, we had Will Hill on last segment thinking Alan Robinson is going to benefit greatly on the Ram side, up now to 62.5 from 59.5. How do you think on the Buffalo side this ends up uh, raising the distribution? Let's say McKenzie is good to go, but it's not necessarily – like we we think he's less than 100% regardless. Yeah. So are you thinking that would would play into your thought? If you look at, say, a Diggs or a Davis, two guys you're really, really high on. Yeah. 70 and a half right now for Diggs, 57 and a half for Davis. Is the injury even though it's not considered significant for McKenzie, is that enough to make you
7: lean to an over on on either or if not both of those guys? Yeah, cuz he would look and factor in more targets. I mean, look at Knox too at tight end. Uh that guy was a red zone machine last year. Uh but the ability and playmaking ability for Josh Allen, we know that he moves around the pocket, we know that he buys time around. He'll he'll scramble. Uh, they've incorporated the big play the scramble drill, just like you see with Kansas city. And, uh, but the timing and rhythm and the accuracy has improved so much with Josh Allen too, that uh, he's got a lot of confidence in throwing the ball into windows. Uh, I, I think the matchups on the outside is going to be very interesting. Jalen Ramsey, is he going to play inside this year? Or is he going to go back outside mm-hmm. last year? He played inside because of necessity. Uh, you know, I, I think the Rams secondary got exposed a little bit uh, to the tune of adding er- Eric Weddle along the way, but uh, you know, it'll be interesting from a matchup standpoint. If you uh, if you like some props, uh, certainly digs uh, take a shot at that. Um, certainly, I mean the guy Gabe Davis too. I mean, my goodness, uh, he he has emerged into a playmaker, uh, and just look at the the, the playoff game uh, and his route running. Uh, and the fact that they can move him around and open him up to inside or outside, I, I think, is tremendous asset right there right. for Buffalo. And
6: then, look, you have Cooper Cup coming off
7: the, the triple crown. Right. was
6: it about 115 yards a game? 93 and a half for most mm. players. You look at that and you say, "Wow, that is an insanely mm-hmm. high number." Is there any any possible way you could have conviction either side of that? Where again, if you if you really want to bet an under on Cup, that's a tough bet to sweat. Right. Whereas we know the court, as we, as has been well documented, there is the quarterback issue mm-hmm. that that he's going to be uh, playing with. It's just. Ninety-three and a half. You're, you're getting a discount That's but a it's also how much do you trust against again pretty cr- pretty
7: big question marks in the secondary for buffalo sure sure well from a safety standpoint if cup's going to be inside now you're talking about linebackers and safeties and they're oversized at linebacker with Ed- edmonds uh and those safeties are extraordinary but dawson knox three and a half receptions three? uh three maybe yeah. play look uh, looking over that see where Mike's going.
6: (laughs) Bills minus two. Dawson Knox over three and a half receptions. That's still much more on the week. One discussion to have. We'll also look at some of the marquee matchups in college football. Week number two, when we return.
3: The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations
8: like the U.S. and Europe.
2: Mexico will likely have its first female president.
8: And
7: then you have China. The more worried he's getting. They knew that they needed
0: to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as
3: fast as they could. I'm David Gurra.
4: I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleem Osen. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets.
3: Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is
9: fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often.
10: I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times.
4: With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to the Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to season
11: nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024.
5: Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: You're listening to The Lombardi Line on vSEN, featuring former NFL
5: executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
6: Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VEASAN.com to check the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and bets are moving every game? The betting splits page is updated every 10 minutes, so you can see changes in all the action. Find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money does not match the public opinion. You can check out not only today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits are another way VEASAN is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at vcin.com. Back on the show, the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM with Mike Pritchard. I'm Ben Wilson. Our our Tuesday crew excited to welcome in Josh Applebaum in a little bit. That'll be a nice a little reunion. The former BAA reunion. guys yeah, all hanging out here at our uh, Circus Sportsbook studios uh, in downtown Las Vegas. And we'll get back to more NFL discussion here week number one. In the meantime, though, we talked some college football line moves, how these week two numbers are starting to take shape in the market. And for week two, we've got some very uh, big time marquee matchups. The one Bigger line move that we didn't get to earlier. I want to get your take okay. on it. It's Florida seeing the big move on, on Anthony Richardson, who had the tremendous three touchdown rushing performance in week one, leading his team to the upset home win over Utah, who was ranked seventh in the country in a popular college football playoff selection by many, many of our recent college football experts. So Florida opens touchdown favorite against Kentucky. couple of one and O teams squaring off week two here to open the SEC slate. But already we've seen a lot of movement here to Kentucky down to four and a half. And, and you just wonder, is this kind of a one game thing for Billy Napier in Florida, where we saw a lot of good out of the quarterback, but had to get some breaks. And, and there were some questionable play calling decisions late by Utah that, that gave Florida the win. And you can understand why with a lot of people high on Mark Stoops in Kentucky this year as a top 25 team, mm-hmm. as opposed to Florida, who's unranked, you could see why this number has come down a little bit. I'm just surprised to see it come down so sharply, so quickly, yeah. down to four and a half.
7: Yeah, it's crazy to think about, too. I mean, you factor in letdown. You factor in Florida getting up for that game uh, against Utah. Obviously, you're going to be re- ranked in the top ten. And, okay, you get that win at home. Did, did Utah lose it? Go back to that question. Did they lose or did, uh, did Florida win it? I mean, you can make a combination of a case for both. But uh, I think letdown is real uh, because of emotions in college football. You're still talking about kids. Uh, And younger players. And uh, so that's part of my cap uh, in this situation. Uh, Then you think about motivation, too. So Florida, uh, do they want to be knocked off again uh, by Kentucky? You know, and that kind of thing. You know, Certainly after the win against Utah, you're feeling pretty good about your season and what could present yourselves for yourselves for your season. Uh, If you're Florida, you cannot, you have to avoid the letdown. Uh, So from a coaching standpoint, they're going to have to convey that and certainly try to get that out of the troops this week, uh, Rich Gangarello. Interesting that he's over there, Colin plays now. He was a San Francisco guy, then Denver coordinator. Uh, I know what he wants to run. Uh, got a decent quarterback, but certainly going to want to run that football. And uh, you think about mm-hmm. how how many people have inquired about how San Francisco, in particular, that team runs the football, that wide zone. How many teams are doing that in the pros, and how many teams are doing that in the National Football League? Uh, it's incredible, and so it's a, it's an interesting cap here, interesting matchup. I, I mean, you're catching points, uh, and if you like a letdown angle, uh, you know Kentucky could be a solid play here. It's just interesting. Like, is it, can you really have a letdown when it's your first conference
6: game, in a, and especially a big SEC matchup like this too? I, that's what I I wonder and you think, yes, no doubt you're gonna you will come off of that first game yep. and there's a lot of emotions involved for especially a new coach making his debut, mm-hmm. new offensive coordinator and all that for Florida. The matchup that fascinates me though, you look at the Kentucky running game, and even though it's hard to a lot of times get many takeaways when you face a weaker team, but at least faced a legit Mac opponent in Miami of Ohio, who look at least played with Kentucky for a good amount of the first half. I mean, that was a 13-10 right. game at the half. Miami, at least covering the first half line there. Kentucky wins 37-13. Big game from Will Levis. You expected him to uh, to put up big numbers, 21-32 for 303 yards. But the offensive ground game was really nonexistent. They only averaged 1.9 yards per carry. And when you think about how well the Florida defense stifled, just in general, Cameron Rising mm-hmm. limited him to just uh, 216 yards through the air, 6.8 yards per attempt. At the same time, they gave up nearly six yards per carry on the ground. And right. that was where you felt like Utah had a big advantage uh, over 230 uh, rushing yards overall. So that's my question. How does Kentucky's ground game that was non-existent against a pretty mediocre MAC team in week one square off against a Florida rushing defense that was gashed tooth and nail pretty much time and again? And, and if you're betting Kentucky, you gotta be thinking the, the balance will be a little bit more. Uh, to the middle than what we saw, Levis just airing it out so many times. Last yeah, it's
7: possible, Ben. I mean, I think from a from a player's perspective here, uh, the run game is all about attitude. It really is. I mean, um, do I want to go in there and put my headgear in there and and block somebody? Do I want to be physical? Uh, there is valid questions about Florida. Maybe that's why they made a coaching change in terms of the lack of tough, toughness. Now you got great athletes. There, there's no argument about athletes uh, d- down there with Florida and the Gators. But from a toughness aspect in the trenches, there was some question marks. There have been questions, uh, and so now, if you're Kentucky, you have to rev up the running game. Obviously, right? I mean, you're looking at tape and maybe an opportunity right there against Florida. That's that's how you're going to win the game. That's certainly how you're going to avoid Richardson making some big plays against you. Hopefully, uh, but you no, know, Kentucky. I think their path to success this year is going to be creative running a game. Uh, you know, take advantage of, of uh, some ability from the quarterback too. But no, it's a toughness. It's an attitude. And that's why I think the letdown could be real because in college, I don't know if these kids, well, I'm not going to say I don't know. I know these kids. You played. You could Yeah. yeah. You've been there. I've been, been there. there. <laughs> it is tough to manage week to week. And, and we see that in pros too, uh, being able to avoid the letdown spots. But uh, I, I think in college, the tendency uh, to have a letdown uh, is certainly prevalent, more prevalent than what we would see in a national football league. Just... You got a new coach. There's Mm -hmm. there's dynamics in play here that his messages and and certainly um, capturing the attention of the players. Say, look, you got to forget about that Utah game. We got a big game in front of us. You know, when is that going to happen, and how are we going to tell that that's going to happen? Maybe follow some insiders uh, from a mindset standpoint, but no, I I think the the letdown. Uh, angle is, is real in this matchup against Kentucky be fascinating
6: to see where that all that line gets back down to as well from seven Florida opening as the home favorites down to uh, four and a half at this point Kentucky catching some of the money 51 and a half year total in that big SEC matchup uh, there's another team in the SEC I want to talk about we've mm-hmm. already discussed Alabama we talk about these two but how about Tennessee another team in the East who could be look, you talk about dark horses for maybe that silver medal right behind Georgia with right. how, how good the Bulldogs look Tennessee goes out. They lead 38-0 at the half against Ball State as huge favorites. Roll to a 59-10 win. Head and hooker, 18-25, 221 yards through the air and two touchdowns. They now go on the road, taking on a Pitt team who looked far from convincing mm-hmm. in a eventual comeback late fourth quarter rallying win, although they did not cover. Seven-point win for the Panthers in week one against West Virginia as eight-point closing favorites. Tennessee getting all the money here from four-and-a-half up to six-and-a-half or seven. I get that we now have more data, too, right, on a team like Pitt who looked really, really uh, uncomfortable for big stretches against a perceived mediocre Big 12 team in West Virginia. Uh, are, are you believing that that was a, a harbinger of things to come on the Pitt side, or was that more of just kind of a rock fight classic rivalry game that's always going to bring out the worst in respective yeah. teams when you think about how competitive those generally are? Because you could kind of go either mm. way if you look at the evaluation from week one. I certainly know where I'm going because okay. I wasn't impressed with Pitt, but... There's probably an argument to be made on both sides.
7: What do you think? Well, I I think so. I mean, the atmosphere was so electric uh, out there uh, at Pitt for their stadium, for the game, Uh, you know, backyard brawl. Uh, I I don't care what people say. Kids get educated, and they catch up fast on on rivalries, whether or not they were teenagers or whether or not they were little guys uh, when they last met. I, I mean, the alumni, the boosters, everybody around them, student body, we will tell you that this is a rivalry game. This game means a lot to us. Uh, so that message will be received. But this is going to be different. I mean, Tennessee was uh, one of those programs that have just been missing a quarterback, I think. I mean, they're going to be talented. They have a lot of pride in that program. And you think about the alumni uh, and what they want established uh, with the volunteers. And uh, maybe they found a, a guy, a solid quarterback uh, that they can lean on, certainly. And, you know, you think about uh, who's coaching them uh, and what they want to do. It's going to be a tough task I think for Pitt I think Pitt was overrated I don't think they're the type of program we know they're just gonna pound the rock right and that's right up the alley of a team in the SEC from a toughness standpoint Uh, are they dynamic enough to throw it can they be prolific against Tennessee I don't think so right Uh, at least that's from my capping standpoint but uh, Tennessee if they got it going with quarterback uh, I think they're a solid uh, team this year
6: and we were also wondering too without Mark Whipple Mm -hmm. having left the offensive coordinator going to Nebraska right how quickly would a new Keaton Slovis led offensive quarterback look, even though the numbers were solid, 16 to 24, 308 yards through the air, and a touchdown nearly 13 yards for a (laughs) chance. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, were you sold in one 60-minute sample size on pick? Because you probably would have to be if you were making a case to take the points, at least now that you're getting a touchdown.
7: with. Well, think about it this way. If JT Daniels had a stronger arm, I'm not so sure Pitts wins this game, right? I mean, it goes overtime perhaps, but, uh, you know (sighs) – A strong arm throw from tying that thing, really, late in the game. But uh, injuries, too, could be adding up for Pitt, the Panthers, and... Uh, I, I, you know, I, I think you need to be full strength against a team like uh, Tennessee from the yeah. SEC. Well want also Like we've, you know, you, you
6: get you get used to ass- assigning different monikers for these teams. Mm-hmm. And Tennessee's been so down now. But right. with Josh Heupel, yeah, you feel like there, there's definitely a turn in momentum with that overall program. Not that I'm going to say just because you beat Ball State by 49 at home, you're turning the corner. But it's it's been building from last year. Mm-hmm. Think about what Heupel did at UCF as well in his short time there as head coach. It's a rare spot where even though I think a lot of general public would say, I'm not ready to trust Tennessee on the road against another power five. I don't know, up to seven. I don't, I don't know that that's a bad uh, play at all. Tennessee, I think you can kind of – is that weird to say? You can kind of trust them? I don't know. Anyway, Josh Applebaum, he's going to join us next here on the Lombardi
2: Line.
5: You're listening to the Lombardi Line on v featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
6: It's football season and bettors know that this is when the money is made. Nobody knows football like Vsin and now is the time to become a Vsin subscriber and get our comprehensive college and pro guides. Only Vsin subscribers get all the tools to prep for the college and pro football seasons. Our experts provide profiles of every team with advanced stats and power ratings plus best bets on season win totals division finishes and player awards sign up early and for a discount of $175 you'll receive both guides and full VEASAN access all the way through the Super Bowl or join us for $40 a month and see everything VEASAN has to up your betting game go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe for all your options and become part of the sports betting network we're back on the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM your Tuesday crew from the Circus Sportsbook Studios I'm Ben Wilson with Mike Pritchard give him a follow at MI Pritchard because he's got uh, he's got a whole lot of plays already Mike, we're going to talk teasers next segment because I want to to know what the uh, other side of your... uh, You already said San Francisco. You're bringing them down to one there on the road uh, for week number one. So what does Mike Pritchard have on the the week one card? (laughs) Speaking of week one, Josh Applebaum, our good pal, frequent guest here on the Lombardi line, joins the show right now. He's also host of a new podcast here, at uh, Vsin the the vcin daily morning bet so uh josh you're it. look you're waking up early now you're do, you're, you're getting out content uh, right away here in addition to the market insights podcast tell us about the new show uh, that that you have going on here i understand that thing is uh is now active and launched here this week
9: yeah today was the debut ben and pritch it's great to see you and really excited about this guys because i think there's an opening in the market for when you wake up just quickly tell me what are the biggest games that day what are the biggest line moves what do you need to know as a better, uh in terms of not only the biggest games in terms of popularity, but injuries to monitor, betting system matches. So really excited about this. It dropped today for the first time. So it's not as, you know, uh, as long as the Market Insights pod. I'll still be doing that in the afternoon. That's really my kind of in-depth look at the market, about, you know, 30 to 35, 40 minutes in general. This Morning Bets pod is just wake up. What do I need to know about today? What are some interesting line moves? And I think I think, you know, I think if you're like, waking up and, you know, you got to jump in your car and go to work or get on the train, whatever you got to do, you throw this on, you can have some coffee, you wake up, get your brain thinking about betting each day. So, and look forward to it every Monday to Friday, and no no rest for the weary. No, you know no sleep for this guy over here. We're going twenty four seven. It's NFL season. I'm very honored about this, guys. Very excited. So catch morning bets uh, anywhere you find your podcast. Nice. You no know, rest for the weary. yeah, no of rest. Course. I mean,
7: both ends of the candle, Josh Applebaum. I can appreciate that, and <laughs> looking forward to this podcast too because doing a show with you for two years. I mean, uh, your interpretation of of the action, whether it's sharp line movement or or just interpretation of lines, uh, is so valuable. Uh, there's so many bettors that are looking for resources, right? I mean, we got subscribers signing up and getting our pro guides. Uh, and so I think your pod's going to be a, a great value uh, in terms of waking up what's happening in the marketplace. I think you're right. I hope so, Pritch. And I really appreciate that. And I think the other thing is, you
9: know, you can do some work on your own. Like, you know, what is this? Is what I like to do I look at the metamorphosis of a betting line. So first, we get the overnight line when it first drops. So as I'm releasing this morning pod, you know, I'm giving to you what's been going on since it re- got released that night to, you know, 6 a.m. that following morning. But then you can kind of file it away and compare those morning bets numbers to later in the day. Is the line going, you know, in favor of the games we hit on early in the morning? To me, that's a really important thing. If you see that line continue to progress in one direction with no buyback, that's a good sign. So just kind of a little tip there. Compare that morning bets number to the current number. If it's moved in your direction from 6 a.m. to later in the afternoon, I mean, it's a good sign that the money continues to flow in your favor.
6: Again, Josh Applebaum joining us right now. Give him a follow at Josh underscore insights there uh, on the uh, Twitter machine. So let's kind of put this to the test here, Josh, because we've had a whole lot of market movement as this market has been uh, ground into shape now over the last few months with week one lines having been out for some time here. We'll start with the Thursday night game. First game for us to uh, bet on of the new season. And we've seen a little bit of uh, money come back in. Now, some shops back down to bills minus two after getting as high as two and a half in the market. Uh, What have you seen there with that? And is there a side you're looking at here? Bills and Rams to open things up there Thursday night.
9: Yeah, I think, Ben, if you take a step back, like my number one system going into week one and really September overall, it kind of you know bodes pretty well the last few years just betting dogs in general, but really leaning on these underdogs in week one in particular. If you remember last year, these dogs were 12 and 4 ATS in week one. You're like, okay, maybe they just had the dogs had their day last year. But no, if you look historically, they've been pretty good week one. And I think the thought process is, you know, really the public overvalues all summer long. They want to bet these favorites. They put too much stock into that. They dismiss a lot of these dogs. Remember, we don't care who wins. We just care about who covers. So if you look at week one dogs since 2016, they're 58% ATS. Now, to me, the important thing here, guys, is to kind of break up this game into two parts. Number one, you can't dispute the fact that the line is going to the Buffalo Bills. A lot of these opening numbers over the summer, you know, it got back and forth like Rams minus one, Bills minus one, split the difference, call it around a pick them opener. Now we're up to Bills minus two and a half. So there has been money flowing on Buffalo. But I think this is a good opportunity to go against the grain, as Pritch and I uh, always used to refer to it, put on the hazmat suit. I'm looking oh, at boy. the points here with the Rams, guys, because uh, number one, primetime dogs. Last year, they were fantastic. They're around 56% over the last decade or so. They had a great year last year. But you're getting almost 70% of bets on Buffalo. They're your favorite to win the Super Bowl. They have your highest win total juiced up. Everyone wants to back this team. If you got them at a round of pick them or maybe you money-lined them early, you know, you're beating the closing line. You're probably feeling good about it. But I think at this point, all the value is looking at the Rams uh, getting the points here. You also look at dogs who made the playoffs last year. They're on 57% against the spread the last five years. McVay's nine and six as a dog in his career. But put it this way: everyone's betting Buffalo. The line has moved so much. I think the value's gone on Buffalo. I'd look at the Rams two and a half. And Ben, you're right. That two and a half down to two at some books. That's really important. They're not going to the key number of three. Might be coming back the other way. I'll take the points of the Rams. Maybe a teaser play. Uh, we we'll are have to see if Pritch's te- teaser syndicate likes this one. But if you go two and a half up to eight and a half with the Rams, you go through a couple key numbers there.
7: Yeah, the syndicate's going to be very active, uh, Josh, in week one. Um, <laughs> let's get to another game, though, because I was at this game last year. It's the Vegas uh, Raiders uh, and the L.A. Chargers. And so from a home field advantage standpoint, I don't think there is any. Maybe to the side uh, of the Raiders, perhaps, out there in L.A., but yet they're a, they're a, a dog here on the road um it's interesting because being at this game last year uh josh at the shootout nature of the game and certainly the up and down nature of the game too uh curious if you're leaning towards the dog in this one not a not a road dog but perhaps a home dog even though the Chargers is going to be at home
9: no that's a great point by you pritch again you don't have this real home field advantage here uh with the chargers so with vegas you know it's not a long trip there i think you're going to get a lot of you know, silver and black of this game. But to me, even if you throw that aside, I like the movement here going to Vegas. So I'm looking at taking the points here too, Pritch. You know, the Chargers open this game at some shops laying three and a half. A couple of shops even open minus four Chargers. Now we're showing three and a half on our screen, but some of these books are actually down to three. But I think it's important here, not only, you know, with this, this line movement to Vegas, but I think it's important also when to place your bet. Like a lot of these books that are at minus three right now with the Chargers, it's Chargers minus three, minus 115, minus 120. So I think based on the juice price, if you're at a book at three, uh, maybe you want to go against this system with all these dogs. I think minus three is your best number here for the Chargers. But I'm looking at it through the the prism of backing uh, Vegas here. So I'm going to wait. I'm going to make sure I get a shop here, getting the hook there with the plus three and a half. And again, a lot of these matches, as well as a dog who made the playoffs last year. And another one I love, Pritch, we talked about this last year, short road dogs plus six or less. That was around 62% against the spread last year. Lines going to Vegas. I just think you got to get the three and a half or better. Mm-hmm. I'll take the points there with the Raiders.
6: Continuing our week one NFL deep dive with Josh Applebaum here on the Lombardi line. We all remember last year, Buffalo was a big survivor team, a big teaser team, and they lose outright as six and a half point favorites at home to Pittsburgh. You have the Steelers in a very different scenario, now getting six and a half once again on the road against Cincinnati there. And I know this is a game you're looking to target there, Josh. And a specific angle does stand out to you.
9: Yeah, kind of same thing here, guys. This is one of the dogs that, to me, you have a lot of system matches on. You're in a really good contrarian spot. You got a couple good angles, as well as Mike Tomlin as a dog, who's been great in his career. Uh, Tomlin as a dog in his career, I think he's like 45 and 23 against the spread, 66% when he gets points. It's usually a good idea to take those points. But to me, this is an ultimate line freeze play, because if you look at the Cincinnati Bengals at home, they open laying six and a half You know, way back early in the summer. They haven't moved off six and a half, and that's critical to me because across the market you look at DraftKings BetMGM like 70% of bets are laying the points here with the Steelers or sorry uh, laying the points here with Cincinnati so if Cincinnati is this big you know up-and-coming team they went to the Super Bowl you know Burrow Chase everyone wants to take them in this spot why aren't they up to minus seven if they're getting seven out of ten bets that tells me that the books are kind of reluctant they're unwilling to go to the key number of seven because they don't want to give out a plus seven to contrarian bettors going with Pittsburgh here so That's curious. I think it's an important game to monitor. If you see, you know, closer to Sunday, that 6.5 with Pittsburgh get juiced up, like it may get down to 6, that's what you really want to look for if we're going to back the Steelers here. But uh, one more thing, guys, divisional dogs. You know, week one dogs have been great, but week one divisional dogs, they're 22-8. and against the spread, like 73% here uh, over the last four or five years. So that would match with Pittsburgh. Can they win the game? I don't know, but I'll take those points. Maybe it's a field goal game.
7: You know, Josh, about 40 seconds here. I mean, they're going to go against your guy, Tom Brady. A lot of noise about him. Uh, But the Dallas Cowboys in a home dog situation, though.
9: Yeah, I'm thinking of the Cowboys are in a good teaser play, too, Pritch. But this would match as a, you know, primetime dogs, which, a bit, which have been great. Still, Tom Brady, despite the worry and, you know, that win total being juiced up under, they're getting like 65% of bets in this primetime spot. So they open lane two. They're up to around two and a half now. To me, if you take the teaser play with the Rams up eight and a half and the Cowboys up a eight and a half, that'll be my favorite teaser this upcoming All weekend. Right. Josh
6: yeah. Applebaum at, the, at uh, Josh underscore insights. Congrats on the new show. It'll be yes. great for us to uh, check out as we, especially as we wake up here bright and early uh, in, uh, in Nevada. So congrats on that, man. I know we'll get to see you every single Tuesday here on the Lombardi line. Josh, and best of luck here with the week one plays as
9: well. Ben Pritch, you guys are the best. Look forward to talking to you every Tuesday this football season. Absolutely. Right.
6: Cannot wait for more of our deep dives with people like Josh Applebaum. You know, Pritch, we have all of those. Check out uh, vcin.com slash subscribe. Vcin Pro subscriptions. All of those deep dives are available there, as well as all of Josh's plays. He's got some baseball in our uh, daily pick spreadsheet as well. All right, on the other side, we wrap up the show. We look at some of the week one games standing out to one Mike Pritchard next on the Lombardi Line.
10: What's the guarantee? What's the guarantee? Hey,
0: Derek! What's the guarantee?
7: The biggest pro football contests in Vegas are back with 12 million in guaranteed prizes. There's two ways to win, and there's no rake. The Circus Sports Millions with quarterly payouts and 100% payback.
5: Play Circus Survivor. Select one team each week with no point spreads. Take in the
6: big cash with 12 million in guaranteed prizes.
4: You can listen to the Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to season nine of
11: Next Question with me, Katie Hurric. It is 2024, and we're gonna get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question is going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you on our season premiere featuring Chris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother or in her case, a good lovey.
0: You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be, like are they gonna call me grandma, like I call my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary
11: Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick
4: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric.
11: It is 2024, and we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you, here on Next Question, is going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you on our season premiere featuring Chris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey.
5: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Lombardi Line on v featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
6: BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets and risk-free tokens. Planning a trip to Vegas, you can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining shows and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Resorts properties located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards, is sports betting premier loyalty program. Featuring exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and valuable perks when you wager on the BetMGM app. Sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM rewards. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call 1 800 Gambler as we welcome you back to VCIN, the Sports Betting Network. It's the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM. VCIN Big Bets coming up next at our South Point Sportsbook Studios with Dave Ross and Amal Shaw. For now, though, Mike, what I've been yeah. waiting for all, all show, especially once you teased us with a little first <laughs> teaser like, because I know you do like San Francisco, teasing them down, as we talked about earlier, against Chicago this week. Uh, just your general strategy. You play a lot of teasers. You've had a lot of success with that. And and looking for different angles here as we just refresh everybody getting ready here for week one of the yeah. NFL season what to look for, what spots to play, and, and what you specifically like to hone in on just in general.
7: Well, there's some big line movement we're going to get to, too, but in, yeah, in terms of for my big game coming up uh, uh, week one. But my teaser parameters, along with the syndicate, <laughs> really the syndicate is, um, you know, you got the key numbers. Everybody knows about the key numbers that you want to go through. Uh, I have looked at home dog situations in terms of teasing them up, if I can find them. But I also got to find that with a home field advantage. Uh, so, you know, you think about, uh, a big dog situation for Seattle, uh, Monday night football, right? The home field advantage that they're going to have against a quarterback on, on a new roster, new team, new, court, uh, new uh, head coach as well. And so uh, you can get that thing up to 12 and a half points right now if you like that. Um, Josh mentioned Dallas uh, as a teaser situation against Tom Brady. A lot of baggage going on right there. But I don't think Dallas has a, a distinct home field advantage. You can look at Atlanta, too, from a distinct home field advantage. They don't have one. That's a rivalry game. I played in that game. Uh, There could be half the stadium filled with Saints fans. Uh, So be careful with that. So, But, you know, typically my teasers are, are, you know, I'm looking at good teams, especially at home. If they are catching points, uh, I would look for that. That would be my first priority uh, to try to use on a teaser situation. But uh, if teams don't have a a good home field advantage uh, and then on the other side dynamic play offensively, I can look at a good team that could be a road favorite a heavy road favorite and looking to tease them down, uh, and so two stood out to me. One was the 49ers. Now, not in particular about the quarterback play, but because of the offense and, and what they want to get to with it, with that offense and Trey Lance. And so I love the teaser situation against a, a roster depleted of talent uh, out there in Chicago with no home field advantage, mm-hmm. right? And so even if it's a low scoring game. Uh, I think the 49ers defense is is potent enough to kind of help them keep in the game, stay in the game. And uh, we'll see if Trey Lance makes mistakes or not. But running the football, hopefully he won't make mistakes, right? Uh, And then the Ravens, you know, the great unknown with Lamar Jackson. The big reveal. I think this guy is going to evolve into a pocket passer. That's what his game needs to get to. Uh, And from, you know, you're talking to people and they say, you know what, he looks good. Uh, You know, he looks apart. So we'll see if that happens. I, I think he's got viable weapons around him to become a pocket passer does he have the discipline uh and the patience to stay in a pocket and be effective that way zero home field advantage uh in my opinion with the jets too but i, t- I tease them down because it is a great unknown uh in week one and, and and i think the
6: good point too you make it's not just the blind oh they're seven point road mm. favorites so we're just going to naturally trust them it's you want to see the multitude of factors right. come together and like not all home dogs are created equal either some have very big flaws. That's why they are inherent uh, home underdogs. But if you at least feel like you have some sort of confidence in them being able to move the football and that they, at le- they are at least of the – you know, if we're being honest, there's not that many teams left that really have a home field advantage. So you do have to pick your spots. And we've seen how home field in the betting market has been reduced to probably mm-hmm. now two points market-wide. Right. It's not the three it used to be, right. uh, which is interesting. I'm sure it's dif- – you know, you probably feel differently than, like, than when you played, when you watched these yeah. games where – uh, you know, it you used to be the standard three, and that's because it was really, really tough when you think about the travel and the atmospheres at a lot of those different stadiums in the past.
7: Well, I haven't played for both teams. I mean, I think Denver will have a home field advantage now, but go flip it. Like, I played in Seattle in the kingdom when we did have a home field advantage. I couldn't even hear you uh, this from, close from this to distance. me. Right, right. <laughs> great. Uh, yeah. So think about Russell Wilson with a new team, first live action in a game, and a new head coach who's calling plays in the 12th. going to be revved up. Uh, if there's any type of success offensively for Seattle in this game, I mean, this could be a tight game, and you can get to 12 and a half points for the teaser uh, mm-hmm. there with Seattle. So, I mean, that, that's appealing from a home field advantage standpoint. All of our pro tips, by
6: the way, vsincom slash pro tips, which we have every single hour uh, on the network, uh, sorted out by the sports, by the show as well. So you can see uh, all of our different pro tips that we have uh, on offer for you. So you're looking, so you, you feel pretty confident Ravens and Niners down to, down to about a point there mm-hmm. on, on a respective teaser. But if, if you look at some of these other spots that would match the, the whole uh, Stanford Wong theory where you're right. crossing through if you're a home underdog of, uh, let's say, under three points. You're go, you're taking a dog up through the three and through the seven. Uh, that can apply for both home and road dogs. The only spots where that does not apply is if it's a road favorite, technically going down through the uh, the seven and the three. If you're taking the big road favorites down, home favorites, that does apply to. You know, the one that keeps sticking out to me, uh, you, you might laugh at me for saying this, but you have Cleveland here as a two-and-a-half-point road okay. dog in Carolina mm-hmm. where every single... Roster comparison point points to Cleveland being like not the better team, but the significantly better team granted you have a you have a pretty significant uh, advantage. If you're Baker Mayfield on the Carolina side, albeit making his debut off a pretty shortened training camp preseason stretch against a backup in Jacoby Brissett here starting the season for Cleveland. But we've seen a lot of movement come to Carolina now up to two, two and a half pretty much market wide. I'm not really sold on, on let's just let's just stating the obvious here, like we think it's oh, a huge Baker Mayfield revenge game, is that really worth a move of, of two different of two points in the market? And at least in a teaser position, you now put Cleveland in a prime spot to go up through the three and the seven.
7: Yeah, I mean, can Brissett be a robot though? Uh and can he be an effective robot? Because that's what Stefanski wants. Um and so Stefanski as a play caller, can he get that going? I mean, I think the Cleveland Browns could be challenged. You mentioned roster and I g- agree with you, but key positions on the roster for Cleveland are compromised. The center position, I know they're. fair. Is, yeah. Is, but he's surrounded by two great, great guards, though. Uh, and, and then, you know, the quarterback. And so you have the combination quarterback, center, uh, and the communications that's going to be needed against a Matt Roll defense or, or Carolina Panthers defense, which will give them a lot of looks. I, I think the secondary uh, could be improved too, making it tougher to throw the ball with Brissett uh, with some tight windows. It's a challenging situation right now, uh, and I think it's a big reveal, too, uh, for the Cleveland Browns. I stayed away from the game. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Carolina and, and Baker kind of, uh, I think the Panthers are kind of catering towards Baker and what he wants uh, from a personnel standpoint. I, I think they're going to be highly creative, Josh. I mean, excuse me, Ben, and I just had Josh Alphabon on. Ah, of course. <laughs> but BAA guys. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, old habits there. But, no, I, I think they're going to be highly creative out there offensively with Ben McAdoo, which is which is, which is crazy to think about. That's what I'm like. I'm not sold. <laughs> like we, You're not last sold. Last time yeah. we saw I'm Ben McAdoo calling
6: not. plays, it was a complete disaster. Right. And to, like that's my point to to just say blindly oh what's well, Baker yeah. Mayfield he really really wants to beat his former team well no, no. duh yeah I know uh, everybody I, you know, wants t- that and you know Cleveland is thinking about that on the, yeah. on, the, on the same side I just think about Cleveland it was a top 5 defensive backfield room and you think about Carolina even mm-hmm. with Kwanu, who's going to be starting mm-hmm. as a rookie at left tackle we think that offensive line should be much better right. but it was bottom 5 in basically every metric a season ago so how much of a jump can you really expect especially right away right. you're also asking a consensus bottom 10 defensive line group to while well, you mentioned the the center issues and Nick Harris was up, put on IR their presumed starting center you're still asking a bottom 10 defensive line mm-hmm. to essentially negate a even even with the injuries a top 10 offensive line arguably the best running back room in the National Football League you're asking that to play out over 60 minutes and and giving Carolina a two yeah. and a half point edge i just that's why i just don't see it and at the very least this profiles is Based on game flow and script, when you combine those two things, a very very tightly played one score game where if you're you're getting me Cleveland up to eight and a half,
7: I'll take that every day. Okay, and then you have an opportunity too with New England uh, as a uh, Bill Belichick against rookie head coaches, uh, uh, and then certainly the quarterback situation there. I mean, you got three and a half points, so you can tease that one up too if you like that play. I know you. Well, you had New England
6: circled in the preseason <laughs> I should say off season. Yeah. then the preseason oh, happened man. it's been all negative storylines coming out yep. Do you, when you get when you get a preseason like that in New England where it's like every mm. single story it's all oh, Mac Jones can't throw the ball I he's know. got no time the offense looked horrible did you ever put any stock into that when you were in the actual locker room and you heard all the noise from the media like you're still zero and zero you yeah. still
7: haven't played any games how 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 worried are you actually in New England? No, not that? worried. I mean, you, you're going to be confident in what you do. And Mac Jones had mentioned that real quick, though, the line movement with Arizona. So, J.J. Watt. Six. We're up to six now. Yeah, J. J., we're up to six now. J.J. Watt's got an illness. Questionable. Um, Rondell Moore, wide receiver, undisclosed situation from an injury standpoint. And Zach Ertz and already Zach questionable. Ertz. The center yeah. for
6: uh, for Arizona already, yeah. <laughs> already questionable as well. Right. And Rodney Hudson. That I mean, that's probably going to – that could easily touch seven. Well, J.J. Watt with the, the
7: illness, though. I mean, that could be yeah. anything.
6: On bait, well, just based on the one-way nature of the betting so far for yeah. Kansas City. Yeah. you got your eye on that one, too. <laughs> you laying it with well, Kansas
7: City? No, no, it's up to six now. It was three and a half a week ago when we did the show. Discipline of Mike Pritchard.
6: He's he's a a principled man. He's not going to bet a game that's moved three, three and a half points, which I appreciate. Uh, Blast with with working with you. As always, uh, we'll be back with Michael Lombardi tomorrow on the Lombardi lineup. Next, though, it's v Big Bets. Dave Ross, Amal Shah, here on v the Sports Betting Network.